I had a very biblical afternoon yesterday. I don't know if you've read Luke 15. Jesus gives three parables of something being lost and searching for it. Begins with a shepherd who loses one sheep, leaves the 99 to find the one. Woman who loses a coin and lights a lamp to sweep the whole house and find it. And a father who loses two sons. Well, yesterday my daughter Lila's pet hamster Momo was lost. And uh, it's pretty traumatic. And so I searched and I searched. I began in her room and I tore it apart, looking everywhere for Momo. No Momo. Went to Russell's room and I had to begin first by like carving a path to get into his room. And I was under the bed, everything out, in the closet, everything out. And then the Legos. Pull the Legos back. And there's two little eyes looking back at me. Ah, Momo was found. And Lila said after that three-hour adventure that, well, first she made some signs to put out to find Momo. And you maybe can read that. Momo, height, two inches. That was very descriptive. It's <laughs> good. But Lila said to me afterwards, she said, I was praying that we would find Momo. And I too was praying. Not for Momo, but really everything about Lila in that moment and growing up and losing your hamster and just everything about her life moving forward. And so Momo and I need to forge a new relationship. Up until this point, our relationship has been very transactional. Really only two interactions I've had with Momo. Um, both of them are finding and capturing Momo when he gets out. <laughs> it's me doing something with Momo. And now I need, I think I need, some more being with Momo. Just, just being and enjoying each other. And it's very strange, but I keep telling Susie, I can't get Momo out of my head. Um, because Lila loves Momo so much, I now actually care about Momo. And I'm thinking about, also, Momo, my relationship with God. And how often am I like Momo? Don't even know I'm lost. Out playing with my Legos. And God is searching for me. And I'm too busy doing stuff that I neglect being with God. Well, our topic this morning is about meaning and purpose and calling. And Eugene Peterson wrote this in his book, Under the Unpredictable Plant. The desire for beauty and the good is infinitely frustrating. I love that. For mostly, we are aware of what we are not. When we do things well, there is a satisfaction in it. When we are well in our being, we are unconscious of it and so get no satisfaction, at least not in the, same, in the sense of ego gratification, which is the kind of satisfaction most of us have such an appetite for. Don't we just want God to give us a to-do list so we can just get to doing and, and measuring and seeing what we're doing? Don't we just want God to say, hey, these are the things, go do them, and you'll get your worth there? You know, we want to find our meaning and purpose. 
and we look to doing. But as Peterson points out, our being, we are unconscious of it. And God is inviting us to be with him first and then go out and do together. Well, this past year, I've tried to live into this statement. This is all messed up, but I am not messed up. This is all crazy, but I am not messed up. The circumstances are difficult. There's not much I can do to control this moment, but I'm okay because my being is okay. And perhaps you've heard us say over the past of the course of this year, this phrase that the strong, the kingdom of God, strong and unshakable kingdom of God is not in trouble. And so neither are we. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a Lutheran pastor, and he opposed the Nazis and Hitler. And he wrote a letter from prison, because he was thrown in prison for his opposition to the Nazis. And he wrote a letter to his best friends about missing their baptism of their son. And he wrote from this place of sadness and said this, You know that I shall be with you in spirit. It's painful to me to be sure that the improbable has happened and that I shall not be able to be able to celebrate the day with you. But I've quite reconciled myself to it. I believe that nothing that happens to me is meaningless. And it is for good, good for us that it should be so. Even if it runs counter to our own wishes. As I see it, I'm here for some purpose. And I only hope I may fulfill it. In the light of all the great purpose, all our privations and disappointments are trivial. You can hear the sadness in Bonhoeffer saying, this, this is messed up. I don't want this. I don't want to be in jail. This is causing disruption. But I'm okay. My purpose is still clear. There's still meaning here. There's nothing that happens that's meaningless. It all has meaning. And I want to see my purpose fulfilled. And it's interesting, the the jail cell was the thing that restricted the doing of Bonhoeffer. You know, now he couldn't do the activities of resisting the Nazis. He couldn't do the activities of being a pastor or a professor. professor. But in not doing those things, he was actually opened up more in his being to be with God, to be living out his purpose. Because his, his to-do list was taken away. Now he could be focused on God and then he could be writing. And just think of the gift that we have all received because he took that time to write and to influence us and to give us this message. Our scripture passage for today is from Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. And it's a, a passage that is about a call. The call of Isaiah from God to be his prophet. Now there's a formula and a pattern in God calling people um, we will see here the encounter, the, the other things. We'll get there. But this, this call comes to Isaiah from God, and it begins with being and then what to do. Now, these were not easy days for Isaiah and Israel. Actually, it begins out, you know, this is the time when 
Assyria came in and crushed the ten tribes of Israel. And now has their sights set on the last two. And here's Isaiah being the prophet of God to those last two tribes. Not easy days. Not an easy task. So Isaiah needed something deep in order to fulfill this task. Let's read the call from Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above him. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And they called back to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And in saying that, the pivots, the hinges of the thresholds shook the doors at the voices of those who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. I am lost. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphs flew to me, holding a live coal that had been taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And the seraph touched my mouth with it and said, Now that this has touched your lips, your guilt has departed and your sin is blotted out. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. The pattern here in this calling is an encounter with God, a woe is me realization, and then the call. It begins with God. It begins with the encounter that now Isaiah has seen the king. That's where it begins, by seeing the king and being confident of this thing in this world. And that's what we need also. We need to encounter God, to receive a glimpse behind the curtain of who God is, what he's doing here in this world. And when we ask the question, what is my purpose? It's really seen in what God's purpose is and how I come into that. You know, for us to encounter God, we may not get this little pulling back of the curtain of heaven and this glimpse of seeing God in all the glory and splendor. We might not get that vision with our own eyes, but we get it from Isaiah. In, in fact, we get it from a whole book of stories and people of saying, this is what I've seen and encountered with God. And now you too can experience that because I've seen it. We have access to encounter God through others' stories both the biblical stories and also the sharing of our own living stories of our encounters with God, where God has met us here. In this way, we gain perspective by seeing the glory of God, like a light being turned on, and now you can see. Before, you didn't necessarily see all that God was doing, but now a light has been illuminated and we see what God is doing and that's where God begins, by turning the light on for us. And of course, Isaiah next says, woe is me. Because when the light is turned on, he's like, oh my goodness, in comparison to your glory, look at me. I don't belong here. I don't fit here. I'm not acceptable. What do I do? 
Nothing I can do will undo what I've did. Nothing I do will undo and make me back to your level. And so here it is God's action of the seraph bringing down this live coal, putting it on his lips, and this purification that God does. This thing where God says, it is, it is about me purifying you. It's about me being with you, wanting you, and then filling you up so that you can be mine. This purification process of, yeah, things have been done, but like gold being refined in the crucible and the, the extra being pulled off, what is left when God is finished is pure. So our daily practice of this encounter with God where we turn our eyes to God and gaze upon God and behold God turns on the light. And in that light turning on, we see things in our own lives that we need to confess and bring it to God. And God is glad for us to bring that to him and then give us forgiveness, give us purification to make us adequate and enough, to make us full. The call of Isaiah and the call for each of us begins with God. And then comes the calling. It's such a great call where God says, who shall I send? Whom will go, to whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I know it's a very solemn moment, and I can imagine in solemn moments, you know, Isaiah was probably kind of calm and subdued and solemn, but I prefer to think about Isaiah instead just being like, just send me, I'm here, I'm ready. And to jump up and down and be excited because he sees the glory of God and wants to be a part of it. So for Isaiah to get called into this moment, whom shall I send? And he's, send me, I'm right here, I'm ready. As we are living out our own call in life, do you know yours? Do you know what God has called you to? A little hint. Wherever you are at right now, whatever you're doing in life, that is your call. Until God gives you a different direction to go in and asks you to do something different, to do what you're doing right here as unto him. That is the beginning. So perhaps you can imagine for yourself hearing the call, whom shall I send? Who will go for me to grant middle school and be a science teacher? You're in. One's in. Or maybe you hear the call in the morning, whom shall I send? Who will go for me to Nixon's coffee to serve coffee? And in each cup, simply pour my grace into it. Or maybe you hear the call in the morning, whom shall I send? Who will go for me to answer the phone for customer service? And every time you answer it, to imagine that you are hearing God say to you on the other side, hello, and that you're answering the phone for the Lord your God. You know, our call is wherever we are at, that we would do what we are doing as unto the Lord. And we start each mo morning by being with God so that we can be filled up with our encounter of God so that we can be filled up with his amazing self that can then send us out into the world that's out there. 
when we encounter God and then we receive from God whatever we need each day in purification, forgiveness, strength, hope, filling us with love so that we can share love, and then receiving our calling for that day. Whom shall I send? Who will go for me? You fill in your blank of where you will go. You know, as we ask this question of what's my purpose in life, the answer begins with our being with God. We begin there, and then we move to the doing that God calls us to do. Even in a jail cell, Dietrich Bonhoeffer continued to live out his calling. You know, he could have gotten to jail and said, yep, that's it, this is messed up, I quit, I'm done, I'll just sit and wait my time out. But he didn't. Because the jail cell didn't change his calling. The jail cell didn't change anything about his being. In fact, the jail cell actually made it more possible for him to be with God and do the work that God called him to. Because he wasn't busy doing all the other things. The jail cell gave him the opportunity to be focused. And for Dietrich Bonhoeffer to say, I am here for a purpose. And I only hope that I may fulfill it. As we come to the communion table this morning, I invite you to hang on to one of these phrases as you come. Perhaps it stands out to you to say, this is messed up, but I'm not messed up. Or maybe you want to say with Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I'm here for a purpose, and to receive that. Or maybe you want to say, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And then fill in the blank where you're at today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for pulling back the curtain of heaven that we can see you. To see your glory, your majesty, your splendor. To see that you are working in this world. You are filling up this world with yourself. And thank you for forgiveness and purity, that you bring us into this project with you, that we have things to do because you give us things to do. And we do those things from a place of being full from you. I pray that you would send us each out into our week ahead with your grace to go and to do, and most importantly, to be with you. I pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.